Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. And emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. Listen back anytime to anything that we air on our webpage at RoyGreenshow.com. So, the former federal finance minister, Joe Oliver, is with us. I think we had a bit of a mix up with telephone numbers. Mr. Oliver, thank you for making the time. Great to be chatting with you. So, I've said my piece about cap and trade and carbon tax and done it quite a bit recently. We spoke with Premier Wall on three occasions over the last few weeks. Uh, Would you give us your sense, first of all, of the federal carbon tax that the prime minister insists and demands is going to take place? Uh, Given the fact that the Americans, our closest competitors um, and customers at the same time, are not going to go in that direction, plus we have the provincial carbon tax in Alberta and the cap-and-trade tax that the Ontario Premier is introducing on the 1st of January. Put, put all of this together for us, please. Where does it all fall apart? Well, the, the fundamental problem is that this is a very costly tax. It's going to, we don't know the full extent of it. We know some, of, uh, some aspects uh, of it. For example, the, uh, the cap and trade in Ontario is forecasted to cost $1.9 billion. Uh, the federal tax across the, the whole country, it's a na- it'll be a national tax, will we'll cost multiples of that, obviously. Um, and so it, it'll be a huge burden on individual Canadians. It'll make businesses less competitive, uh, and particularly in the light of uh, the, the Trump uh, election uh, and where he has declared definitively that he's, um, he's skeptical and uh, it's, it's absolutely obvious there will be no uh, carbon tax in the United States. Um, we, we have all sorts of economic harm going down. So the question is, will there be any benefit? And alas, uh, there will not be, uh, because uh, the environmental objective ultimately is to reduce, is, is not just to reduce carbon emissions, ultimately, it's to reduce temperature. And what scientists tell us is that if every single country that is promised voluntarily under the COP21 Paris Climate Agreement does what it promises to, and there is virtually zero chance of that happening, starting with the United States. But let let us suspend disbelief and say that that does happen. The end result will be a reduction in temperature by one half a degree Celsius in the year 2100. Canada's contribution to that would be roughly 1.6%. So we're talking about one thousandth of one degree Celsius in 83 years. That's and and, and, that's, and that's math. And that's math, uh, Mr. And that's Oliver. Math and that's, that's math. math. Exactly. I, I, so, spoke with, I spoke with Bjorn Lomborg on this show on a number of occasions, and immediately after COP21 as well, and he told us, and I mentioned this a few minutes ago, the EU 2020 policy on global warming is going to cost $250 billion per year and accomplish dropping temperature by one twentieth of a degree by the end of the century. And then he wrote, after we spend $20 trillion over the century, we'll have done something you can't even measure. 
I know this is actually a looming tragedy. It's not only a disaster, but the people who always pay for draconian taxes are the people less least able to do so. So it's it's the poor, the unemployed, not only in, in the advanced countries, but in the countries that are desperate for economic development. Uh, there are over a billion people who don't have electricity. There are another billion plus who have only insecure access to electricity. They're going to be hurt the most. You know, you look in Ontario, though, here we are, it's a, we're in a first world country, People are making decisions about whether they should turn down the heat in the winter so they'll have enough money to pay for groceries. And we've talked to them. This, this is unacceptable. We've talked to them on this program. We've talked to the people who have to, who are making those active decisions, and the premier says it's a mistake, her mistake. Yeah, it's, it's her mistake, but... Uh, Quite a mistake. She's done it, and she, uh, she doesn't seem prepared uh, to, uh, to do anything to reverse it. She may try to shift taxes around... Uh, to to create an impression of, uh, of of help, but at the end of the day, electricity costs have gone up seventy percent, and uh, people are hurting, and industry has become uncompetitive. We could go the route that Europe has gone, which is deindustrializing because their energy costs are so uncompetitive that European countries companies are moving to the United States where where costs are are so much less. You know, there's all sorts of justifications that we hear for a carbon tax, but none of them really stand up to scrutiny. You know, the biggest one is it will make a difference. Well, we just talked about the fact that actually it won't make a difference at all. Then the other argument is we should do our part. Well, others aren't doing their part. We know the United States is not. China has made no commitment uh, to do anything until 2030 when they'll get around to making some kind of commitment. Meanwhile, 300 million people in rural areas will have moved to the cities. Now, I cast no blame on the Chinese because part of the country is desperately poor and they have to do something about bringing uh, these people up to a, uh, uh, to, to a level of, of, of affordability. But nevertheless, that's a reality. It's also a reality there's going to be some 2,400 coal-fired plants built That's right. in the next few decades. That's right. So, you know, do our part, that doesn't stand the screen. Well, how do we know, How do we know, Mr. Oliver, how do we know what doing our part really means? Because we, uh, Mr. Wall told me that the day after the prime minister stood up in parliament and uh, dictated that there would be a carbon tax, thereby surprising his environment minister and provincial environment ministers who were talking about that very thing when uh, Mr. Trudeau jumped up with his announcement, Mr. Wall said he spoke with the prime minister the day following, and he asked the prime minister, have you done or have you, com- have you conducted any kind of economic impact study? No. How can you make such a fundamental shift in taxation and not do an economic impact study? Well, it's, it's because... It's mindless. They seem to be driven by ideology and, and partisan advantage. You see, the, 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 the prime minister has a problem. He, he went with one of the largest delegations in the world, twice the, the size of the U.S. delegation, by the way, to Paris, and made these extravagant uh, promises, which apparently he can't meet. And so... Uh, he's got to figure out ways to uh, to do it, uh, including uh, perhaps one of the most egregious ideas of all, which is to buy uh, international carbon credits. In other words, 
buy useless pieces of paper uh, to pretend uh, that we've done our part to reduce emissions. Well, isn't that something we should really be focusing on, that the government, the prime minister has said, it may be necessary to buy international credits for a national program that he's putting in place. Why would we buy international? The very fact that he says we should maybe be buying or likely be buying international credits, to me, proves that the national program's not going to work. Well, it's a, it's a stark admission. And, you know, we're, we're in a period of slow growth. The, the government tripled... Mr. Oliver, can I, can I get you to hold on? Would you stay with us a few minutes longer? I have to take a break, but uh, it's a network break, so we're going to come back with the former federal finance minister, Joe Oliver, and talk about these carbon taxes and the, uh, and the cap-and-trade tax and, and what it means. The European example hasn't been great, with the biggest admitter or emitters being issued subsidies and exemptions from those very taxes, as I mentioned to you, because if they weren't issued these um, exemptions... They were going to pack up and move. We'll come right back. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Mary sends this email. Roy, hey, with this climate change plan, with the movement of money from one group or industry to another, and us having to cut back on heat and food, etc., to save the planet, we never hear when the planet will be saved. If the temperature cools in future years due to this brilliant money movement and green energy, how will they know or measure the direct cause and effect? When will they know it's a failure? That's a very good question, Mary. And, and, and recently, you may have noticed this as well, I've heard the year 2030 mentioned over and over and over, whether it's a national context of Canada or whether it's the green movement in the United States or Europe. It's 2030 seems to be the benchmark year to accomplish some sort of magical goal. My guest is Joe Oliver, the former federal finance minister who... Uh, is also uh, running for the nomination of a uh, riding in Ontario for the Progressive Conservative Party. What's the riding, Mr. Oliver? It's York Centre. I'm sorry? It's York Centre. York Centre. Um, d- does that 20, 30 year mean anything to you? I've just seen that over and over recently. Well, it's interesting for a number of reasons. One is, of course, it's far enough away that uh, the current uh, political administrations across the country won't have to... Uh, uh, explain uh, why their projections didn't work out, uh, but uh, they should be explaining today why uh, their ideas are going to cost Canadians so much money. The other interesting thing about 2030 is that's the date that the Chinese have said they're going to make a commitment to do something about global warming. Uh, you know, we hear so much now that China is showing the way. I, I'm a bit puzzled by that. I don't blame the Chinese who have a huge population that's, that's very poor, and, and they have to provide electricity, and they have to create economic growth. I don't blame them, but uh, are we be, being taken for fools here? Uh, as well, we, you know, we, we look down in the United States. I, I have great admiration for that country, but the fact is they're buying 
our oil at a $13 billion discount from the international price. Uh, John Kerry, the Secretary of State, uh, has said no more Canadian uh, pipelines. And in the meantime, uh, while the the president uh, likes to cloak himself in green, uh, the fact is the United States is becoming the, has become the biggest producer of oil in the entire world. Uh, so uh, you know we're being uh, we're being taken uh, uh, for suckers uh, around the world, and uh, you know the people who are being hurt are, are ordinary Canadians. This is also perhaps the one issue that you're not allowed to challenge. If if you challenge the notion of green taxes, if you challenge cap and trade, if you challenge carbon taxes, you're immediately branded a, a denier. If you if you challenge global warming, uh, if you challenge greenhouse gases as the primary source of greenhouse or at least of, of global warming, you're immediately labeled a, a denier. It's almost become a religion, uh, and, well, and, there, and you're there, not permitted yeah, to challenge it. There is there is a religious aspect, but I'll tell you what I do. I do not challenge global warming. I don't challenge the anthropomorphic sort of uh, the, the 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 contribution that human beings are making, although we don't know the extent of it, um, and we don't know the extent of, of global warming. But what I'm saying is that the policies that are being put forward will not achieve the environmental objective. In other words, if you're a great believer in all this, you don't have to be, but if you are, this is not the way to go about it. Because as we discussed earlier, it doesn't have any meaningful impact on global temperatures at all. It's minuscule or less. And when, when it, you know, that's the definition of bad policy. It's a policy that has huge cost, all sorts of unintended consequences, and doesn't achieve its public purpose. And that's what we're dealing with, with the, uh, the, the whole issue of carbon taxes, cap and trade, and the purchase of international credits. Well, let me ask we you should, this. Yes. You, 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 come, you come at this as the former federal finance minister, and you come at this as a candidate for the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario for the next election. Uh, you're looking to to become the candidate. You're running for nomination. Right. What is it that the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario brings to the to the whole issue that makes greater sense? Because frankly, I've spoken with Patrick Brown on a number of occasions, and I haven't heard anything from Mr. Brown that makes me feel particularly uh, energized that he has a, a, a really distinctive and and useful plan going forward. What do the Progressive Conservatives of Ontario have? ready to roll out? Well, the, the fundamental distinction is that he wants to make sure that the tax is revenue neutral. That it, the, and, a, and a carbon tax is essentially a consumption tax. So what he is saying is that if uh, a consumption tax is imposed, he would compensate for that by reducing income taxes on individual individuals and taxes on corporations. So it's a, it's a shift in the tax burden. It isn't an additional burden. And he believes that that will increase economic growth. But by how much and how does it, how does it, how does it grow the economy if our neighbors to the south will not have a carbon tax or cap and trade other than at the state level? Well, that's one of the, uh, the, the concerns. Um, the, the, other, the other issue, um, unrelated directly to, uh, to a carbon tax, is the fact that 
the, the president-elect has made very clear he's going to reduce, he's going to bring down individual taxes and corporate taxes. He's going to bring corporate taxes down from, I think, 35% to 15%. He's going to reduce uh, the, the number of tax brackets, I think, from 7 to 3 and increase the deductibility so that individuals will be paying a lot less tax in the United States than they're paying in Canada. Do you know, in the previous eight years during uh, the, the conservative uh, government's uh, reign, uh, we led the G7 in economic growth. Our GDP was higher than the other G7 countries. That's changed, and to the extent that the tax burden is going to be higher in Canada than in the United States. But I, but I still, but I still Mr. Oliver, with respect, I still don't hear anything that, that, that shows me how we will be at a competitive advantage with a revenue-neutral carbon tax vis-a-vis the United States. How do, well, we, how, do we know, how do we know how far to lower taxes when we, don't, when we don't have any economic impact studies of such a tax? Well, we're going to have to, I mean, you know, in Ontario, we're going to have to take a look at what the burden on Ontario is. And if, uh, if the cap and trade is, is $1.9 billion, then the, the income taxes and the corporate taxes have to be reduced by at least that amount. But then you're accepting, I mean, the, I, but then you're accepting the numbers of Premier Wynne. Well, uh, I, I'm not necessarily accepting them. The, the, the analysis has to be done. And in fact, uh, you know, the, the cap and trade has been uh, a, bit, a bit of a disaster. And the, uh, the numbers for, um, uh, for the, the cap and trade market have gone down, I think, by about a sixth. So uh, the, the um, market that Ontario is going to join, which is Quebec and California, um, has, has seen prices fall, uh, and they've fallen because uh, the, the jurisdictions have given away so many credits free to companies that they want to protect. All right, so well, let, me, let me ask you this. In, in, in conclusion, how do, we, how do you, um, your former federal finance minister, I assume that if you, I assume, first of all, you'll win the nomination for York Center. Then I assume I, I don't make assumptions. Well, I will. I'll, I'll do it for you. If the Progressive Conservative Party wins in Ontario, and they have a very good chance of doing that with Premier Wynne's personal popularity at 16%, according to the most recent Angus Reid polling, uh, I assume you'll be the finance minister for the province of Ontario. I don't see anything else happening. What do you have ready to roll out that will improve the reality from the very, very situations we first started talking about, and that is the impossible situation the poorer of, the, of this province face, trying to balance buying food, paying rent, paying electricity, keeping their heads literally sometimes above water. What have you got in place to roll out to, to help these people? Well, look, first of all, I, I do have to say that I, can't, I will not make an assumption about who's going to win the nomination, and I certainly won't take to myself what is the premier's what would be the premier's responsibility to, to make his cabinet choices. But if you're just asking me about policy, sure. uh, in, in principle, uh, what, I would, what I would say is uh, we have to do whatever we can to get the electricity prices down, both to make life more affordable and to make business more competitive. No, I understand that, but is there, is there, anything, is there anything in place? Is there, is there any plan? Is there anything that you understand to be ready to roll out to make that very reality come true? Well, I can't talk to the, the broad uh, policy, but, but uh, except the objectives are clear. Uh, 
jobs are going to be at the forefront. Right. Uh, we're going to we're we're not going to be raising taxes, and uh, we're going to be focused on 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 exports uh, and economic growth. I mean, on the uh, we we've got to recover. Ontario used to be a leader in Confederation. Ontario was always a contributor. It was a have province, and that was good for Ontario, and it was good for the rest of the country. Since 2009, Ontario has been a have-not province, groveling for higher equalization payments. I mean, this is a very sad state. I don't want, as an Ontarian, to, to be receiving equalization from the government of Canada. I want to be a contributor to equalization. I, yeah. want, I want Ontario to prosper, which is good for Ontarians, and it's good for the entire no, country. I, I, understand. I want the entire country to prosper. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand, Mr. Oliver. What what people don't want, though, is just a rebranding of the same positions and the same policies and the same approach. That's what absolutely. people don't want. And, and you're absolutely right about that. But I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. It's been great. All the best. Thank Joe you. Oliver, the former federal finance minister who's uh, running for the nomination of York Centre and for the con- Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario. This is the whole point. Nobody wants the same reality, just with a different name. So we don't want to elect the progressive conservatives of Ontario simply to carry on the programs of Kathleen Wynne. Because somebody says, well, we can't change them because they're 20-year contracts. If, you, if, you, if you're going to change the situation, change the reality, then you have to have a plan. And you have to be able to explain it to the electorate. Similarly, in the province of Alberta, if Wild Rose are the progressive conservatives, perhaps they shouldn't. They should form one party. Um, if, if they have an alternative to Rachel Notley's plans and initiatives and programs, spell it out, specifically in language everybody can understand. I think we already understand what Prime Minister Trudeau wants. He just, he's just going to bully his way to a national carbon tax unless the courts of Canada intervene or Mr. Wall and Saskatchewan take him to court. 1-800-263-2428 is my number. 1-800-263-2428. Toll free anywhere in this country. Let me ask you. Do you favor, do you support either a carbon tax nationally or provincially or cap and trade? Or do you think a carbon tax and cap and trade it's just a big ripoff. 1-800-263-2428. I can't put it any more succinctly than that. Is it, are they a benefit or are they just a big ripoff? And remember, the global adjustment fee, if you're in the province of Ontario, is not going to show up on your hydro bill. Why is that? Oh, maybe because it, according to the Auditor General, makes up 70% of the bill, and they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know exactly how much it is. Carbon taxes, cap and trade, a benefit or a ripoff? 
24-28. I'm sure they love me. 1-800-263-2428.